Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 22. Hopefully you recall that the eastern tribes are returning home. They have accomplished what they were commissioned to do. They led the expeditionary forces, the combat forces, as they uh, went into the uh, land on the other side of the Jordan and faced battle after battle and experienced victory after victory. They were used by God to lead the way for the other tribes. Now they get to go home. And uh, so they are commissioned uh, for their return home and challenged and blessed by Joshua as they're leaving. So we're going to begin in verse 9 of chapter 22. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh and Canaan to return to Gilead in their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. When they came to Gileath, near the Jordan, in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Gileath, near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. So the Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. With him they sent ten of the chief men, one for each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. When they went to Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, The whole assembly of the Lord says, How could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community of Israel. If the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and share the land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves, other than the altar of the Lord our God. When Achan, son of Zerah, acted unfaithfully regarding the devoted things, did not wrath come upon the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died for his sin. Then Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, The Mighty One, God, the Lord. The Mighty One, God, the Lord. He knows, and let Israel know, if this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us this day. 
If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord himself call us to account. No, we did it in fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you, you Reubenites and Gadites. You have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. That is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. And we said, if they ever say this to us or to our descendants, we will answer, look at the replica of the Lord's altar which our fathers built, not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, but as a witness between us and you. Far be it from us to rebel against the Lord and to turn away from him today by building an altar for burnt offerings, grain offerings, and sacrifices other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before his tabernacle. When Phinehas the priest and the leaders of the community, the heads of the clans of the Israelites, heard what Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. And Phinehas, son of Eliezer the priest, said to Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is with us because you have not acted unfaithfully toward the Lord in this matter. Now you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's hand. Then Phinehas, son of Eliezer, the priest, and the leaders returned to Canaan from their meeting with the Reubenites and Gadites and Gilead and reported to the Israelites. They were glad to hear the report and praised God. And they talked no more about going to war against them to devastate the country where the Reubenites and Gadites lived. The Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between us that the Lord is God. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener supported. If you would like to help, please get a pen and paper so that I can give you our contact information. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. That's Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus Well, isn't it nice that a war was averted? But what in the world caused them to want to go to war to begin with? Well, they explain that. This altar-looking thing gets built. It's very large. It's very impressive. And instead of saying, that's keen, they said, that's horrible. That's an abomination. Now, why would it be an abomination? Because God was the one who told his people how to worship and where to worship. Everything about 
the worship of God was designed and even more than they knew and understood was a picture of Jesus and his work on our behalf. Now they didn't understand about how all of it represented the Messiah, but they knew that God had said, you build it exactly like this. You do it this way. And they knew that it was a horrible mistake to try and worship God in a way that was not what he had asked for. Rewind the tape all the way back to Genesis. Two brothers, Cain and Abel. One offered the kind of sacrifice that was pleasing to the Lord. A blood sacrifice. A sacrifice that involved the shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The other brought some of the fruit of his farming and said, just look at these kumquats. Check out these grapes. I've been farming and God, I'm bringing you some of the stuff I've produced. And his sacrifice was not accepted by God. Abel, who brought a lamb and sacrificed that lamb, his sacrifice was accepted. God is the one who is to be worshipped. And God is the one who says, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. And if you try to worship God in a way that he has said is not acceptable, you're not just failing to please him, you will make him angry. God is a holy God who makes righteous demands and people who are arrogant enough to say, I don't want to do it his way, I've got my own plan should not expect a holy, righteous God to do anything other than be angry. Because that is not only what happens in Scripture, it's what is right. It's right. Now folks, the good news, the wonderful good news, is that Jesus came to save sinners. But if you take sin off the table and try and make it seem that no matter what anybody does, it's okay. It doesn't really matter because it's all up to what makes you feel comfortable and being true to your inner self and all that other vomitous nonsense. Then you will have no appreciation for the good news. Because the good news is not that Jesus came as a life coach to tell us all we're doing fine. Keep up the good work. Just do more of it. The good news is that when we deserve the wrath of God, Jesus came and took the wrath that we deserved, suffered in our place, and his blood was shed on that cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a new life. The only hope we have is Jesus. The worship that God had commanded was filled with illustrations and representations of Jesus and his role as our mediator. And so the people knew God says, do it this way, don't do it that way. And when the eastern tribes built another altar, the fact that it was impressive looking didn't cause their brethren on the other side of the Jordan to say, oh, well, who can criticize? 
they weren't just ready to criticize, they were ready to go to war. Because they said, this sin is going to not only offend God, it is going to bring God's wrath quite possibly down on us. We don't want to have anything to do with this. It is wickedness on the part of these people. Now, I'm very glad that before the army went over and attacked, they at least had the good sense to go in a representative small group and say, what are you guys thinking? You see, unfortunately, they had already decided in their minds what those folks were thinking. I know why you really said that. I know what you really meant. I know, I know why you did that. I know why you weren't there. I know why you did this. Have you ever thought that you could tell what somebody was up to and it turned out you were wrong? In Ken Sandy's book, Peacemaker, he talks about a, a guy who saw a preacher, a guest preacher, was supposed to come speak at this church, and this guy pulls into the parking lot, and he sees the guy sitting there with a cigarette in his mouth. And he's just dismayed because his church was one that would definitely not approve of preachers smoking. And here, the guest preacher, before he comes into the church, is sitting there in the parking lot with a cigarette in his mouth. So he, he's just fuming. And he's thinking, I've, I've got to confront this. So it, the matter gets confronted. And it turns out it wasn't a cigarette. It was a white pencil. The guy was sitting there going over his notes, and he had a little pencil sitting in his mouth. <laughs> he was not smoking anything. But sometimes we see something, and we're sure we know what we saw. Because we saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. And so we misinterpret what's going on because we're sure we can just immediately imagine the whole scenario of what's going on. This guy's about to come in here, talk to us about self-control and holiness and stewardship, and he's out there breathing in a poisonous plant and medicating himself with a habit-forming drug that squanders money and causes disease and why should we listen to him? Well, because that isn't what he was doing. You were completely mistaken. You're totally wrong. Why don't you talk to him and find out what really is going on? Oh. Oh. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I misunderstood the situation. It's please, my fault. I'm embarrassed now. Oh, goodness. Sorry. You just go right ahead and, and preach, and please don't preach on judgmentalism. Folks, what happened here was that these tribes saw what these tribes did and immediately invented a scenario that was wrong. It was not a true picture of what was going on in those people's hearts. It was not something sinful they had done. It was something they had done that these folks imagined might become sinful. Well, shame on those people for having that kind of attitude. Well, why did these people build that thing anyway? Because they were doing the same thing with their attitude. They began to think about what these people or their descendants might do. What if they say this? You know, I just bet you that this might happen. 
That would be a terrible thing. How can we prevent their descendants from saying to our descendants, you have no part in the worship of God? You stay over there on that side of the river. What if their descendants forget history? What if those people don't teach their children that we're supposed to be connected? We're part of the 12 tribes. We belong together. We worship the same God they worship. What if they, what if they don't tell their children that? We need to make sure that they can't do that. So we're going to do something now to try and prevent potential future ill. These people were imagining the worst about those people. Those people were imagining the worst about these people. We all have a tendency to imagine the worst about each other. Isn't that sad? But we do. And I would like to suggest to you that some of those thoughts, some of those imaginings, those evil imaginations, are really fed by the accuser of the brethren, Satan. He will try to get God's people to imagine bad stuff about each other. And if I'm imagining bad stuff about you, I might treat you differently. And when I do, then you're probably going to imagine bad stuff about me. You're going to try and come up with some reason why I'm being so obnoxious and standoffish. And, and as you imagine that, you will probably end up not being as nice to me, which will reinforce my negative impressions of you. And as a result, you will probably be even more difficult to get along with, which will just confirm for me that I was right about you and that you are indeed not walking with the Lord the way you should. And this will cause me to be concerned for you and to treat you in a really condescending way. And as a result, you will be insulted that how dare I, since I am obviously in your mind so messed up, treat you in a condescending way. Because after all, I'm the one with the problem. You know that. And so when I treat you in a condescending way, you realize that I am just an intolerable person. You can't have anything to do with me. Because that's just that's the only that's the only solution to this mess is we just need to avoid each other. And so pretty soon now, there's a fracture among those who should be unified, which was exactly what was happening here. You understand? There was a division between people who should have been united. And the division started when a group of the people, the eastern tribes, were afraid that they might become divided from the western tribes. Okay? In order to avoid potential division, they did something that caused division. How clever is the devil, huh? Who wanted the Israelites dead, by the way? The enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can get people to hurt each other, mission accomplished. What prevented the war? These people were not ignoring what they saw as a problem, but they went and confronted the people that they had a problem with. And they didn't come in and say, you tear down that altar or we're going to kill you. They came in and they said, how could you? How could you do this? Don't you understand? We have to worship God the way he said he wants to be worshipped. We have to do what God commands. 
how could you do this? And the other folks didn't respond, how dare you accuse us? You don't know what you're talking about. It's not the way they responded. They said, wow, if what you're saying is true about us, we ought to be destroyed. Beautiful example. Great example. They said, we do not disagree with your saying God is holy and he must be worshipped in the right way. And if what we are doing is disobedience to God, we should be punished. But let us tell you why we did what we did and what our intentions are. When the other folks heard it, they said, oh, well, okay then. Very good. That's fine. And, and they rejoiced. They were happy. They didn't say, well, hi. You just make sure that you... No. They received the testimony of the other folks, and they went home and gave the good report, and the people back home rejoiced and gave thanks to God. Now again, let's talk about the fact that we have a tendency to sometimes imagine the worst about each other instead of believing the best about each other. Can you understand that that is a problem that is, is pretty widespread among humans? We have a tendency to try and imagine what people are really up to. And oftentimes our imaginations of why people do what they do. Why didn't that person wave at me? I waved at them. They didn't wave back. Are they upset with me? wonder what they're upset about. Oh, I bet it's because I didn't do this. Well, I don't see why that should be such a big deal they wouldn't wave at me. I'm just going to give you a little newsflash. In all likelihood, the reason they didn't wave at you had zero to do with you or their perception of you. Rather, it had to do with their lack of perception of you. They weren't even looking at you. They didn't even notice you. They didn't even realize it was you. They may have gotten 20 feet further down the road and thought, oh my goodness, that was so-and-so. Or the person sitting next to him in the car may have said, wasn't that so-and-so? He said, I don't know, I didn't see him. Well, they waved at you. Oh, well, I'm sorry. And so the next time you see him, you're waiting to see, are we okay? Is it all right? Please understand, our lives will be a whole lot happier and bring greater glory to God if we will not give in to evil imaginations, if we will not believe the worst about people who are around us, if we will not think that we know what somebody else is really thinking and what they really mean and why they really did that and what they're probably up to. And just recognize, most of us know a lot less than we think. Especially about other people. And love is not easily angered. Amen? I mean, that's what God's Word says. Love is not easily angered. So if you're quick to take offense, that is a mark of a small mind and a carnal spirit. Folks, warfare 
bloodshed was narrowly averted because the leaders took time to talk it out and find out what was really going on. And the other people did not take offense and say, how dare you think that of us? But instead said, wow, if that's what you thought, you were right to be upset. Let me tell you what's really happening. And these people believed them and made peace. That's a good example of danger and solution. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.